years and years ago, uh, when I was just starting out here, so around 20 years ago, one of the pastors at Bethany Presbyterian Church, just a few blocks away, held a prayer retreat here in this sanctuary on a Saturday. When I came in the next morning, Sunday morning, and I went into my study, opened the door, and there on the floor was a piece of paper that had been slipped under the door, and it was essentially a thank you note from all the people who had attended the retreat. But there was one person who had written a bit more than everybody else, so I was looking at that, and she wrote that she had had a vision. That was her language. She had had a vision about our sanctuary, uh, roughly along the lines of it being a place of quiet where people from all over the community could come and gather and uh, reflect. It was a, a place for spiritual reflection. She had signed her name to it, Pat Cordelieu. Some of you will remember Pat. She actually ended up uh, attending here for several years. And something about what she wrote really struck a chord deep within me. A couple of weeks later, I was having coffee with the senior pastor at that time, Dan Baumgartner, and I told him about the, the letter and the particular note, and he asked me who had written it. When I told him that it was Pat, he said, yeah, you're going to want to pay attention to that. So that doesn't happen very often. But when she has something like this, it usually turns out to be something significant. At the time, I had no idea what that significance was, what it might mean. But I saved that note. Every now and then, this type of experience may occur for us in our lives. Maybe a moment, a message that stands out for whatever reason. We know through scripture and through history that God does try to communicate to us. We have a God who does communicate. We also know through scripture and through history that God communicates in a wide variety of ways. However, God being so much greater than us and our understanding, a lot of times in that moment, we may very well not understand all that God is trying to communicate with us. Mary and Joseph had one of those moments in this morning's story recorded by Luke. This is the only story that we have about Jesus from basically the time of a little bit after his birth until he was about 30 years old. This is the only story that we have of him. This story takes place when he was 12, which was a big year for an Israelite boy. At 13, they would become officially under the law responsible for their own actions. They did not yet celebrate bar mitzvah like the current bar mitzvah celebration. That was about 500 years later. But that 12th year was usually a a very focused year of learning about God and what it meant to live as a, a part of God's covenant people. In this story, 
Jesus becomes a little over-enthusiastic about that learning and about his chance to sit with rabbis in the temple in Jerusalem. And he scares the bejeebers out of his parents. In the story, uh, at the end of the first day of traveling back to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph go and they look for him among their relatives. There was usually a, a big caravan of people uh, and you know, kids would be running around and they'd be with all sorts of different relatives and friends along the way. Well, they get to the campsite for the first night and they start, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. And they can't find him. They realize that he's not there. They go back to Jerusalem. They find him sitting among the, the rabbis on the third day. They find him sitting among the rabbis, listening, questioning. How they could not know where their kid is, how... Uh, what Jesus did for you know food and sleeping those nights, that's not the important stuff, and so we aren't given that information. What is important is the interaction Jesus has with his mother uh, when <clears throat> they find him at the temple. Verses 46 through 48. Uh, When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? I like the way that the message translates this. The next day they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents were not so impressed. (laughs) They were upset and hurt. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. And Jesus responds like a perfectly preteen boy, why? So up until that point, this is a fairly typical teen parent interaction. But then there's this one line. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the implication is clear. Jesus is saying that his father is God, not Joseph in the traditional sense. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house. I love <laughs> the honesty that this that is recorded here. They did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't understand. Mary gave birth to this child. Mary and Joseph have raised this child. They've fed him. They've clothed him. They've sheltered him. But even they didn't always understand what he was trying to say to them. They didn't understand exactly what Jesus meant, but they knew it was significant. In verse 51, we hear, they went, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, treasured them in her heart. Mary knew that this moment, this experience, that these words from Jesus were important. 
So she held on to that moment, even though she didn't understand what it meant entirely. Tom Wright, British theologian and writer, has an interesting connection here. Um, he notes that uh, a lot of parents these days, uh, some families today will keep notebooks of striking things their children come out with. Mary kept her notebook in her heart, this remark in particular. So Mary becomes the model for us in all of these types of moments. When we sense significance, even though we don't understand all that it means, it might be a vision of some sort, it might be something that someone says to us, it might be something we read, but somehow something resonates in our soul. And we know that there is something here, something different. Paul, we heard him put it in his own language, in talking about sort of how you live life following Jesus, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Pay attention to what the Spirit is doing in you. Don't treat prophecies, those moments, those words. Don't treat them with contempt. Test them. Don't just take them on on faith, but hold on to the good. I like that. Hold on to the good. Moses saw this strange sight, this bush that seemed to be on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. So he went to check it out, and he ended up having an encounter with God. R.S. Thomas, a Welsh poet, encourages, encourages us all in one of his poems to follow the lead of Moses and Mary. This is called The Bright Field. He writes, I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had the treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying, hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. A few years after I got that note from Pat about the vision for this sanctuary, I had essentially a a vision of my own. Uh, Celtic music was undergoing a popular resurgence. And I had been studying a lot of uh, spirituality of the early Christian uh, Celtic church. And I was in this sanctuary praying, and I had kind of a daydream about a Celtic even, even song, a Celtic even song. It was this vision of kind of this quiet, acoustic Celtic music, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of scripture here in the sanctuary in sort of the dark light of a, uh, of a dusk of summer night. We made that actually happen for a full summer of Sunday night's Celtic evening song, and even then did a full season of Lent. And it was a wonderful event. And until recently, I had just always 
sort of had it in my mind that that was the fulfillment of the vision that Pat had had about the sanctuary, place of quiet spiritual reflection for the whole community. Now I'm not so sure. For a variety of reasons, uh, we have talked in session, which is the governing body of, of this particular congregation, we've talked at session about trying to think of ways that we might use this building more for the good of the community and more, serve more needs. But I've always felt like this sanctuary is special, that whatever we do, it's got to include the sanctuary. So the question has sort of become, how could we use this sanctuary? How could it be used for even greater good? A couple of weeks ago, it flashed into my head, an urban retreat center. That's all I got, an urban retreat center. And then I, but the next thing that came to my mind, I hadn't thought of it in years, but the next thing that came to my mind was Pat's note. And I thought, was that what she had envisioned? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the, this idea that came to my mind has anything to do with anything in our past. Uh, in fact, I don't even really know what it means. I don't even have much of an idea of what an urban retreat center might be. But what I do know is this. We have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who tries to communicate to us in a myriad of ways. Further, we all have these moments when we sense a significance, a weight to a particular moment or a message that seems as though God might be trying to communicate something to us. We may have no idea yet what it all means. Not even Mary understood all that Christ was trying to communicate. But Luke encourages us through this morning story to find some way to hold on to those moments. To, like Mary, hold it in our hearts, even when we don't understand what it all means. Amen.